Humor brings laughter in stressful situations and wins the hearts of those around you. Equipped with an excellent sense of humor, one of America's most celebrated presidents brought smiles in the toughest of situations. Once, a rival accused him of being two-faced. If I had two faces, would I be wearing this one? He laughed, to the delight of the audience. In addition to being able to laugh at himself, humility and logical thinking helped him to officially free those under the bondage of slavery and keep the United States united when it seemed to burst apart at the seams. Can you guess the identity of this man? Here's a clue. That face he joked about is on the penny and the $5 bill. Hi, I'm your host, Heidi Illion, and this is Brilliant Mornings. Join us as we ignite a passion for history and learn from the great minds of the past. This season, we explore holidays in the United States, uncovering the lesser-known stories of the people behind them. On a recent episode about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., we learned that Dr. King was still fighting for civil rights 100 years after Abraham Lincoln had freed the slaves. Today, we'll hear how Abraham Lincoln was still fighting to help Americans understand that all men are created equal almost 100 years after America's founding fathers wrote this in the Declaration of Independence. So what did Abraham Lincoln actually say in his Gettysburg Address? Four score and seven years ago, years ago. Okay, okay. So that's the beginning of the Gettysburg Address. Don't forget that, okay? We're all equal. Lincoln spoke this during the middle of a civil war in America. More on that later, but we have an exciting story to get to, including a ninja civil war, a tree-chopping party, tips on how to win an argument and save the union, and a guide on how to become a lawyer. But first, what exactly does a lawyer do? Henry's dad joins us today for a special interview to help us learn just that. What do lawyers do? The word lawyer makes it sound like lawyers are people who just I don't know, maybe go around making laws? That's not right. I mean, there are lawyers who help make laws, but actually what lawyers spend most of their time doing is just helping other people understand what the law is. What are the rules? How to follow them? And then if it seems like someone might have broken those rules, they help that person figure out whether they have and if so, what the consequences are. Now, you might be thinking, I don't think I need some other person just to explain the rules to me. My parents tell me rules, and my teacher tells me rules all the time, and I understand them. What's so hard about this? One thing to keep in mind is, in a place like America, laws are, they're sort of rules that groups of people make for themselves that they want everyone in the group to follow. But there are a lot of different groups of people making these rules. So we have laws that everyone in the country has to follow. We have laws that just a state like New Jersey might make that's only for people in the state or who are visiting. Kind of like 
if you have to take your shoes off every time you go to your friend's house, but your mom doesn't make you do that at home. There are rules just for your town. There are even rules that just a couple of people can make for themselves. So if my friend Dan wants me to walk his dog every day and I want him to water my plants every day, we could just do those things. Or if we want them to be like rules that we have to follow, we could have a special agreement called a contract. And that's basically like a, the law just for us, but none of our other friends will have to follow it. So with all these different people making different rules, it can be hard to know which ones do you have to follow. Another reason you might need an expert, like a lawyer, to help you understand what the rules are is that the people who write laws, they make them very complicated and hard to understand. They write sentences like this. If a foreign corporation transfers assets to a domestic corporation in a transaction to which 367B-3A and B and the indirect stock transfer rules of paragraph D of this section apply, and all the earnings and profits amount attributable to the stock of an exchanging shareholder under 367B-3B is greater than the amount of gain in such stock subject to section 367A pursuant to the indirect stock transfer rules of paragraph D of this section, then the rules of section 367B and not the rules of sections 367A apply to the exchange. See paragraph D3, example 15 of this section. Since we have to understand sentences like that, you can probably imagine that most lawyers spend a lot of time reading, writing, thinking about words, and sometimes arguing about what they mean. None of that makes us very much fun at birthday parties, but lawyers can be very helpful if you need to understand the law or Make a contract to walk your friend's dog. Ah, thank you, Mr. Steve Esquire. I think I really understand now the purpose of a lawyer, and I'm thankful for people like you. And by the way, great idea with writing up contracts. I think I could use some of those with my family members to get some chores done. Well, anyway, I think we're ready to jump into our story where a couple of boys are battling it out in a Lego ninja war. Viking villain keeps stealing the ninja's gold from the island. We have to go out smart and attack him, yelled Micah to his buddies Jonathan, Teo, Henry, and Jack. The boys had spent the morning at Henry's house building their imaginary Lego world in which ninja warriors fought Viking villain. This villain was trying to steal the jewels on the ninja's islands. They had held attacks and counterattacks all morning. Sadly, half of the ninjas had deserted their friends and joined the cruel Viking villain. The other half of the ninjas held their ground and tried to protect their gold. It's a civil war, shouted Jonathan. One half of the ninja nation is fighting the other half. They should be working together. Why don't the good ninjas just talk to the ones who turned against them, questioned Henry. Villains don't listen to talking, Micah retorted. Well, we can use logic, said Henry. What's logic? Well, logic is the way you can use your thinking powers to reason and link facts together and figure out what's true. You always start with something you know is true. That's called an axiom. Then you add to that to find other true facts. For example, here's something we know is true in our game. Only the red ninjas are good. That's our axiom. Here's the next fact. Micah's ninja is red. So now... Tell me, what do we know about Micah's ninja? It's good, because red ninjas are good, said Jonathan. Yep, said Henry. See, 
You use logic to figure out the truth. We can use logic to prove what we believe. We use reasons that other people can't argue against because they're true. My dad knows all about logic because he's a lawyer. That sounds interesting, said Teo as he pulled an orange out of his pocket for a snack. Too bad I only have one orange, he murmured. I'm still hungry. Suddenly, Teo glanced at Micah's lap and noticed that Micah also had an orange. With a sly smile, Teo grabbed the orange from Micah, hoping he wouldn't notice. Hey, Teo, what are you doing? That's mine! Micah yelled. Well, I'm hungry, so I should be able to have your snack. Micah laughed. Well, let me use logic with you. If you should be able to take my snack, if you're hungry, then it would be fair for me to take your snack if I'm hungry, and I am. He grabbed Teo's orange. Teo frowned. No way, he yelled. You can't fight logic, Micah said. A fair is fair. Suddenly, the boys heard their fathers calling for them. Hey, we're here to work, not play all day. At that moment, Micah's father appeared with a sleek axe in his hand. The top part of the axe was made of steel and came to a sharp point at one end like a knife. It was attached to a sturdy wooden handle. Ready to learn how to chop down some trees? This is the work of real men. And real girls, yelled Peyton, jumping out from behind a tree with her friend Leah, who was dressed as a ninja warrior today. We're ready to learn, too. Michael told us about the tree chopping party that you were having to take down all the dying trees in this yard. We thought you could use our muscles. Hmm, looks like a fungus problem. Peyton diagnosed a nearby tree covered with shell fungus. Glad you're here, girls. Laughed Micah's dad, passing out helmets to all of the children and their fathers who had arrived for his Saturday morning chopping event. All right, we can take turns chopping right here. He held his axe handle with both hands and swung at a tree that didn't look so hot. One by one, the boys took turns grabbing hold of the axe and swinging at the tree's trunk. The first couple of swings barely made a dent. They swung harder and began to see the wood under the bark. After many turns, they had made a notch on one side of the tree. I'm tired, whispered Jonathan to Micah. Me too, he replied, rubbing his sore biceps. How can anyone do this all day? A half an hour had passed before they moved to the other side of the tree and started to make a notch opposite their first one. Finally, the tree began to teeter. Everyone backed away and watched it collapse on the ground. Timber! they yelled. Ready for the next one? called Peyton. The rest of the children gulped. Their exhausted arms hung limp, and they longed for a cool drink of water. Hey, I bet you didn't know that tree chopping prepares you for greatness, said Mr. M, Jonathan's dad. In fact, I know of a boy who spent most of his childhood chopping trees, and he became the president of the United States. I know who you're talking about, dad, laughed Jonathan. But was it his X skills or his logic skills that made him presidential material? I always thought it was his belief that all people are equal, suggested Peyton. Maybe it was all three. Who are you talking about? Yelled Leah, swinging her axe into a tree, which sent wood chips flying. We're talking about Abraham Lincoln, our 16th president, Mr. M answered. I'll tell you his story as you chop, and you can decide why Americans elected him as president. It certainly was not because he had a fancy education or a rich family. Little Abe was born in Kentucky, a southern state. 
He lived in a tiny log cabin on a large plot of land called Knob Creek Farm, helping his parents and big sister grow crops like corn and pumpkins. Lincoln spent his days carrying water buckets or loads of corn to the mill and picking berries. He loved to climb trees and play in the stream, which could be dangerous. One time, his friend rescued him when he almost drowned. Occasionally, a teacher would hold classes for the children in the area, and Lincoln and his sister would attend. Here, he learned through memorization and picked up some reading and number skills, but most of what Lincoln learned, he taught himself by reading books, one of his favorite pastimes. After Lincoln had turned eight, his parents decided to move away from Kentucky, where many white people owned slaves. Lincoln's father came from a line of Quakers, and they were horrified by the evils of slavery. They believed every person should be free, and that free men should do their own work. And Lincoln certainly did work hard. You children all got tired today after chopping one tree. Lincoln's job was to fell trees all day long, clearing away the forest to make room for farmers to grow food. Wham, whack, boom. This is what Abe heard all day long as he grew tall and strong, chopping trees and building fences. Lincoln's axe became part of his own body, like an extension of his arms. He could fell a tree faster than you can say Emancipation Proclamation. He chopped through good times and bad. He chopped his sadness into the trees when his mother passed away from milk poisoning. He chopped his fear into the trees when he encountered bears and other wild animals in the woods. He chopped his joy into the trees when thinking about the delightful stories he'd read in the books which his father's new wife brought into the home. When Lincoln did not work, he read constantly, always hungry for more knowledge. At 19 years old, Lincoln finally had an opportunity to experience an adventure like those in his books. He accepted a job to navigate a flatboat down the mighty Mississippi River. Lincoln may have thought that he'd have a change of scenery from chopping wood, but he soon discovered that he'd have to build the boat before riding on it. Do you think this was a problem for him? Never. His axe flew, cutting wood swiftly and smoothly, and his hands built nimbly. Soon, Lincoln and a fellow companion embarked on their thousand-mile journey to New Orleans upon a strong flatboat piled high with goods like pork and corn. While he sold food to the plantations along the river, Lincoln witnessed the evils of slavery closer than ever before. At this point, he could do nothing to fix these problems, but perhaps a tiny dream was birthed in his soul and stored there for the future. Lincoln knew he was destined for more than farming and volunteered to fight in the Black Hawk War. An able leader, his company elected him their captain and although they never actually entered a battle, the experience made Lincoln very popular. He thought he could help make a difference by writing laws for his state. So after returning from war, he ran for the job of legislator. Sadly, Lincoln did not win that election. He wondered what he should do with his life. Some might have looked at him at this point and said, Lincoln, you're a failure. All you've done in your life is chop wood. He hadn't received a formal education, he did not know proper English, he was not rich, he'd lost a business, he never fought a battle as a captain, he just lost an election, and now he had no job. However, Abraham Lincoln did not give in to thoughts of failure. He knew how to pick up an axe and move on to the next tree. 
He knew how to never give up, even when horribly sad. He would continue to educate himself, learn proper English grammar, and run for legislature again. Lincoln's popularity only increased, and soon he won elections for legislator four times in a row. A good friend convinced Lincoln to become a lawyer, but how would he do this without ever having attended school? Well, Lincoln had a plan. He went straight to one of the world's best teachers, Euclid, a Greek geometry teacher. Now, Lincoln could not really talk to Euclid because he lived 2,300 years ago, but Euclid wrote down his ideas in the world's most popular book after the Bible. In said book, Euclid wrote down all the discoveries he'd made about shapes. That's right, like circles and triangles. What do shapes have to do with law? Well, Euclid's writings showed the world that there were certain facts about shapes that always are true. For example, you can always know that two triangles are equal to each other in every way. If both have two respective angles equal to each other and one respective side equal to each other already. Lincoln knew that if he learned to prove truths about shapes, he could also prove truths about life. This systematic reasoning is called logic, and Lincoln used it to prove why slavery was wrong. He pointed out that the United States was founded with the Declaration of Independence, which says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Lincoln used logic to prove that the words, all men are created equal, included men of every race. No person is less valuable than another, and no one should be a slave. Americans gathered in crowds to listen to Lincoln speak and prove his ideas to those who opposed him. When he ran for the president of the United States, he argued that slavery should not be allowed in the new Western territories. If slave owners moved here and spread the practice of slavery, it would take over the whole country. A house divided against itself cannot stand, Lincoln said. He had warned this years before. He meant that it was important for all of the states to stay together and to all have the same rules on slavery. Most people in the South would not vote for Lincoln because he opposed slavery. Abolitionists, those wanting to outlaw slavery, did vote for him, but accused him of not truly supporting them. Eventually, most Northern Americans came to love Lincoln's story of how he grew up chopping wood, a free man doing labor, a trustworthy, honest, and hardworking man. Abraham Lincoln was elected as the 16th president, but he had no time to celebrate Immediately, states in the South separated from the country and created their own nation, the Confederate States of America. Battles began between armies of the South and the North, and eventually a total war broke out. Although Lincoln did not originally set out to abolish slavery during the course of the war, he changed his mind. On January 1st, 1863, Lincoln freed all slaves with these words. All persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of a state shall be then, thenceforward, and forever free. 
However, the Civil War raged on. Southerners refused to give up states' rights and the practice of slavery. The slaves did all of the work for them on their farms and plantations. They did not have the number of factories that the North did to make money, and the Southern states did not feel represented by the United States government. After one very bloody battle in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, Abraham Lincoln came in great sadness to consecrate the land to the many who had died there. He here proclaimed the Gettysburg Address, a speech which boldly defends Lincoln's axiom that all men are created equal. Four score and seven years ago, years ago. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. All men are created equal. That we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. That this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. And that government of the people, by the people, for the people shall not perish from the earth and that government of the people by the people for the people shall not perish from the earth Abraham Lincoln's wishes came true when Lee's Confederate army finally surrendered in April of 1865 although he was not a perfect man exhibiting prejudice and slowness to act on behalf of the slaves many times he nonetheless did serve as their great liberator and inspiration to help union soldiers reach victory he had learned as a boy to keep working until the job was done and as president he served faithfully until his last day on earth because president lincoln's life was taken from him prematurely by a revengeful man who sympathized with the south he didn't see the United States begin its new chapter of Reconstruction. Lincoln's example will forever be praised. The great abolitionist, Frederick Douglass, knew him personally. He said this of Lincoln, Ladies and gentlemen, as the memory of great men is celebrated from time to time in all climes, so the memory, deeds, and achievements of Abraham Lincoln should forever be celebrated. Where would all those of our modern men have been had it not been for Abraham Lincoln to have given impetus by his life, to have given character by his achievements, and to have immortalized truth and virtue as no other American has ever done? And therefore, we should revere his memory, and we should make his birthday national to educate our young men and young women, who perhaps may be falling by the wayside into materialistic views. Teach them that there is something yet in life worth living for, that it is not the college, it is not birth, it is not wealth that alone accomplishes great things in this country, but it is character and truth, nobility of soul and virtue of example that shall live for all time. And that will find their echo and their true response in the heart, not only of every American, but in the heart of every man that loves liberty and loves mankind. 
Abraham Lincoln was born on February 12, 1809. How will you celebrate the ideas of freedom and truth on Abraham Lincoln's birthday this year? I hope you were inspired as I was by studying his life, and maybe you'll find yourself following in his footsteps in one way or another, working hard, telling the truth, or even becoming a lawyer or president. There are so many incredible books about Abraham Lincoln, which I encourage you to read. Please see the podcast notes for lots of resources, and definitely check out our Instagram, Brilliant Mornings, where you can see the meaningful new artwork by artist Jesse Wright. Special thanks to Mr. Stephen G. Esquire for his interview on being a lawyer. Thank you to Henya G. for creating musical renditions of Free at Last and the Gettysburg Address. And thank you, Luke and Micah, for being special guests today. This podcast is produced by Heidi Illion with intro and outro music by Matt Graycar.